Welcome to Beat It Movie Reviews. I am God of Destruction, Joe Cabello, and this is leader of the Red Ribbon, Ribbon Army, Chris Asoda. What's up, Chris? Hey, how's it going? It's going well, because this is a podcast, Chris, and this is where we do a feature review of a new movie and then discuss other films and TV shows we've been watching, and you just heard Queenie Pie by Davis I.L. That is our theme song. Go check them out on Instagram, at davis.il. That is the period, not D-O-T, the word. Um, buy his albums. That would help him a lot, and we don't see a dime of it, but we don't need to, because our hearts are full at the end of the day when he sells his music. And we are here with somebody special. We got a special guest. We're here with an android superhero, Olympia Sweetman. What's up, Olympia? Howdy, y'all. What's up? From Dallas. Now, you're straight from Dallas, the Dragon Ball capital of the world, right? I hear that's where the um, the biggest Dragon Ball fans are. I mean, it is true. They do a lot of the, the dub recordings here in uh, in one of the studios out here, and there's a big Dragon Ball convention every year. Um, so, yeah, you're right on the money there. Probably L.A. is, is the only it. one. Yeah. Nailed it. LA is the capital of everything. It's so true. We we got it all. <laughs> and uh, we are here to talk about Dragon Ball Super Superhero, the newest Dragon Ball movie. And uh, we have you on because you're a bit of a Dragon Ball head, right? Yeah. Dragon um, Baller. Oh, I like that better. Is that what oh, yeah. Is that what Dragon you call Ball yourself? is life. Yeah, that's what we call ourselves. <laughs> uh, we call we call ourselves Dragon Ballsies too. Um, uh, ballsy move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been a Dragon Ball fan, um, like you guys, since you know I was a kid. Um, I'm sure, and you know, right around the, su- the time Super came out, I I started getting involved in the the fandom community, and it led me down some interesting paths. Uh, I was doing a lot of fan art, so I was I've been speaking at panels for like dragon ball art i've been to a bunch of conventions um i'm just like in a general circle of like dragon ball fandom community dragon ballers dragon ballers dragon ballsies uh yeah just a bunch of nerds but yeah i have a couple of your pieces up in the office right now awesome that's great to hear Do do you have any um do you see a lot of turf wars between uh Dragon Ball OG fans versus Z versus GT versus Super. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of, like, antagonistic little factions. There's, like, people who like the manga only. Um, There's definitely people who prefer GT over Super. Uh, Yeah. I only like the hentai. The (laughs) only valuable, true to Toriyama's legacy is the hentai. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's where you can really, uh, the themes are stronger when you bring sexuality and sex into the series. Some would say, some would say. I'm always trying to get more powerful in sex. Yeah, you're trying to get your sex power level up. (laughs) So I have to look for more powerful people as well to do it with. Get that, it's uh, very hard. Get that sex Zenkai. (laughs) Dragon Ball, sex. (laughs) <laughs> next time on this podcast well we should move on from that we're gonna get enough dragon ball talk going uh let's get into a little bit of what we've been watching before we get into our main review 
and I think it would only be polite to get, have our guest take it away. Olympia, anything you've been watching you want to give a shout out? Um, like the rest of the world, I've been watching the rehearsal. Um, Ooh, the rehearsal talk. You know, we're going to save the rehearsal. I do this. I did this to Chris last week. I shut him down immediately when he wanted to talk about the rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing it to you this week. Just, I think it's a, it's a special thing that we need to save right before we talk about Dragon Ball. Okay. Um, I have something that's related that I've been rewatching that I really yes, like. Yes, please. Uh, I've been rewatching How to with John Wilson. Um, oh, and let's save that too. <laughs> like, just, just, just no. Yes, please. You've been rewatching, so you're a fan. You've watched the first uh, two seasons, I imagine, already. Yeah. Um, it's a really fantastic show, and. Right now, I think I prefer it over the rehearsal just because it's kind of like artfully done. There's sort of like a unifying vision for each episode and arc and all that. Um, and yeah, I, I started rewatching it because I recommended it to a friend. And as I'm watching it, I got to the episode where the guy tries to stretch his foreskin out. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I wonder if this was actually a good recommendation for the person I... I suggested it too. <laughs> um, but other than that, uh, I really like it. And uh, I've I've been digging through his Vimeo a little bit. And he's got a lot of footage on his, his Vimeo channel as well. Um, and I, I just like what he does with all this footage that he collects. Um, oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the foreskin guy. Oh, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate I'm sure his he work does too. Have videos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I oddly, I'd actually heard of that guy years before that episode. I think he was on a Netflix documentary about uh, set openness with sex, and he was talking about his um, foreskin thing, whatever you call that, a rehabilitation device. Um, and like him and his kids are packing up the device together. It's like a family business, so really you know he's out there there's wow. fans of his he has content he, he's i would love to the entrepreneurial american <laughs> dream <laughs> he really is and to use your own body <laughs> to make something more foreskin really <laughs> um, yeah i love how to with john wilson too uh Chris, when's the last time? Have you done any rewatches on those episodes recently, especially with the rehearsal under the shadow of the rehearsal? No, no, I haven't. But I think, I think I watched. I finished season two like late, so I had ended up watching like the last like half of it, like way after it had come out. It was only like yeah, it's... six months ago or five months ago or something like that, right? Yeah, it didn't come out too long ago, that last episode. I feel like it is more zen than, like, the rehearsal. The rehearsal's a little, like, it's stressful and insane. How to with John Wilson's a bit of a breath of fresh air while still being bonkers at times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason why I started watching it is because there's a lot of, like... Without getting too much into it, there's a conversation about how uh, Nathan Fielder is treating his subjects, and I and I sort of wanted to go back and watch John Wilson and and uh, compare um, the approaches there because I guess it's it's different where 
Nathan, you know, crafts these scenarios and, and puts his subjects into it. John Wilson is just sort of like collecting a bunch of footage of his subjects and, and framing them in a certain context. Um, so I, I, uh, yeah, but I, I've, I've really enjoy it, enjoying it. It's, it's really touching sometimes. Um, I really like the episode with the, uh, the people who are really into Avatar and they talk about why they're oh, into like James Cameron's Avatar world and all that sort of <laughs> thing. And, you know, his episodes are really moving and, uh, you know, just funny. I, I, I like every week they came out, I was just like glued to the TV. Um, but yeah, I missed when that show was out. And th- those Avatar people, they really make an incredibly compelling argument for the movie for them, but no compelling argument for the movie itself. <laughs> you know, like they don't say a single thing that's like oh yeah the way the action is framed and this and that it's always like i wanted to kill myself and this movie stopped me <laughs> like, okay <laughs> i can't argue with that <laughs> that is true that is a good movie then any movie that doesn't get someone to kill themselves i think is objectively a good movie i think even further than that though they wanted to live in the avatar world like they want that oh, right. to be the reality that they're living in, <clears throat> and uh, I, I think that very much speaks to James Cameron's power as a director, <laughs> is that he's he's able to he's able to create like a vision that's convincing on some level that it creates people like these who, who's who have like this existential drive and attraction towards this movie, um, and like how I want to live in the Terminator world. <laughs> Yeah, the term we are living in the Terminator world, baby. It's here. Well, I, I I just love the idea. You can grab a phone book, find every woman with the same name, and systematically murder them. That's the world I want to live in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's VR. You know, it's, you probably do that it's in like VR chat anymore. or something. <laughs> oh, that's awful to be. I don't know. I mean, a remake of that of the Terminator situation in VR chat. <laughs> Are w- you big titty four oh eight? Yes. <laughs> Stupid. Uh. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on uh, how to with John Wilson? Um. No. Maybe, it rocks, maybe, and uh, I can't wait for the third season. Maybe season three. He'll revisit them when Avatar 2 comes out to see how much better their lives are. Oh, it would be so good if he did, yeah. yeah. That's that's the power of the show continuing on for years. He yeah. can do check-ins. Did your foreskin actually grow? Yeah. How much more popular is uh, Bang Energy Drink? Yeah. <laughs> it oh my it actually got me to drink it. <laughs> I was drinking it for quite a while, and I had quit energy drinks. Oh, shit. So it worked. Or wow. I'm just easily susceptible to marketing of any kind, even unintentional. Uh, but yeah, the show rocks. I would even say it paper scissors. Um, Chris, what have you been watching? Um, Better Call Saul had its series finale. Oh my god! Yes, I did. I haven't checked in with you since because that the last week when we recorded the night we recorded it was going to premiere i haven't checked in with you to see how you felt about it yeah and i think uh, olympia you watched it right 
Yeah, I did. Um, okay. I really liked it. I liked the finale quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I thought it's uh, very. It kind of like wraps up the series in a nice, pretty bow. I think, I think it's like a. It's it feels like a perfect uh, ending to the show. I get. I don't know. Do people have you seen people talk about it online, Olympia, at all? Um, no, I've been. I haven't really been tuned into the the online discourse about that show too much. I've I've only talked about it with my friends and stuff like that is is yeah, there th- like a a general impression have, about it i have no idea i think there are some people that kind of were expecting it to be more uh of an explosive climax in terms of like maybe some more dramatic twist and turns but uh i, I don't know i thought i thought it ends appropriately uh I think part of I have like a small issue with it and it's not that that the series finale was bad it's that uh I feel like the last 3 episodes being taking place like in the present but as like flashbacks at the same time like screwed with the momentum of like the emotional beats in the show for me and I feel like in the f- this the finale i was kind of just like there for the ride but not as invested as i was before they like caught up to present yeah that seems i i didn't see it but it would seem at one point or in one end of it it's just gonna be kind of more wrap-up-y than explosive because it's the final episodes of what six seasons five seasons yeah like the way it the way it would progress is like the you would imagine the last three episodes are kind of like slowly winding down and cinching up a bunch of stuff from the previous seasons and like if you only have an hour for your last episode you're not going to be able to fit all that type of stuff in so I can see them doing it, but it seems like it would be a weird choice when you're like, no, this is Better Call Saul. This is like uh, this timeline, the past timeline I want to sit in. But yeah, I've never so, seen any of it. But I mean, it's <laughs> and that's not and that's not to say that it's really bad. It's it's great. It's excellent. It totally sticks the landing. Uh, I just think there there is just some like awkward pacing, but it, it doesn't make it bad. It's just. Uh, kind of like an impossible task for them to kind of like you know get get a clear head of like what's going on because I know like it, it ends and it's basically like okay so now all the stuff he experienced in Breaking Bad has finally happened to him and he's gone through all this shit and he's out on the other side of it but I don't feel like I really felt the weight of that when <clears throat> he's going through the final moments of the show but they still did really smart things with how they tied everything up, I think. Did he end it with saying, wow, I really broke bad or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, he said, what do we look, what do we look like? Some kind of breaking bad. <laughs> and then a swell of music as credits roll. It sounds beautiful. Truly. One day I'll check it out. I haven't really heard anything bad about it. Just uh, overall with this show, I don't think I've ever heard any 
debates yeah. about it being bad at all. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, definitely an excellent show. Yeah. Um, I feel... I think Breaking Bad is a, is a great show, but I feel like it's a little bit overrated. Um, I, f- I feel like Saul, Better Call Saul is like a bit more refined. Uh, Saul is just like a lot more compelling character to follow to me than Walter White is. Um, and yeah, it's it's just really good. Um, it It's compelling from start to finish. It has this constant momentum. Um, and I, I totally get what you were saying, Chris, about uh, about it losing its momentum towards towards the end of the show um, during the finale. Uh, I, I, I think one thing that might have carried it was the the relationship between him and Kim and how how that was going to resolve um, was yeah. what seemed to be like the main tension at the end there, uh, which w- which was like a satisfying, you know, thing to center on yeah. for me. Um, Definitely. But I just want to say that uh, Bluebell ice cream is not that good. I will say that, though. But, yeah. Throwing down. Was that heavily featured? Yeah. He, like, he like requests it in, like, a, a plea bargain, I guess. Um. <laughs> Spoiler. Oh, shit. But, uh, okay, <laughs> sorry, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, we spoil things all the time. I don't think that's that big of a spoiler. Um, um, he's like, yeah, this ice cream's seriously good. And I'm like, well, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> They're like, thanks to me saying this, we got one more episode in the season instead of having only budget for one less episode than the season. Uh, it sounds like product placement is what I'm trying to ineloquently say. <laughs> but that is, uh, that is Better Call Saul. It's the end of it. Goodbye, Saul. Can't call Saul and, anymore. Yeah, hang up. Hang up, Saul. That's kind of what yeah. they should call it now since it's over. Better, <laughs> better not call. Better not bother calling Saul. I wonder what uh, Bob Odenkirk's going to do now. That is yeah, he's not, supposed no, to be lined up to do show. some other show, right? Liddler Woman, I think. They announced he's doing some other show with uh, with AMC. Because they, they announced him and Juan Carlo Esposito are getting their own shows. Are they, they spinoffs of the No, they're not. The they're world? Not. They're, okay. they're like, they don't even say like who's show running them or anything. They're just like, guess what? They both have other shows in the pipeline coming up for our channel. So who knows? Nice. I, yeah. I hope it's something like nobody where we could see him kick ass. Maybe a superhero Marvel show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say he's going to be in the MCU. <laughs> Uh, anytime somebody gets any sort of acting success. Uh, this is the hero they should play in Marvel, Kevin Feige. <laughs> Will you please answer my tweet? You, they Enough cast about them. Bob Odenkirk as Doctor Doom in the it could work. Movie. <laughs> That's what everyone's saying about uh, Juan Carlos Esposito too. Though. With uh, Professor X, Professor X, or or Doctor Doom, I think is uh, fan casting too. They're like, do it. It's like, who cares? That's so Reddit. Just ca- yeah, just cast someone I have never fucking heard of. He has a mask, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have Jim Carrey play him, dude. He's worn a mask in plenty <laughs> of things. Yeah. It's good when you have an actor with that experience; they can really dive right in. Yeah. 
Dude, Leo should play him. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he wore the Iron One before, and that's yeah. certainly. He's the experience. original Iron Man, right? So. The original MCU, the Musketeers cinematic universe. Was, <laughs> is, that a, <laughs> is that an offshoot of that group? I think I think it is, right? There's like yeah. a crossover episode of that. <laughs> if there is, like if Zorro sure is there too, right? Like, isn't Zorro with them? Those were the cinematic universes I could get behind. Cosine. Uh, Let's get into... I want to talk about a movie I just watched called Glorious. This is a horror movie that takes place in a bathroom stall. And it is about a uh, a grieving guy ends up in this bathroom stall where in the next stall over past a glory hole is like a titan god that needs something from him. So it's like a two-hander movie between uh, a J.K. Simmons-voiced elder god of destruction and this guy uh, i love these types of movies any like two-hander single location uh type of thing and this movie there's so much i love about it one it being set at a glory hole is just so funny to me and so cool <laughs> it was also described as being very goopy so i was excited for that because i like goopy slimy horror stuff um and yeah just like seeing what they would do with just talking to some creature you can't possibly see because it's so horrific but this movie makes has the problem of the main character being just annoying but not interesting just an incredibly grating person that i hate (laughs) and the movie kind of the the movie kind of wants him to be dislikable for many reasons that would get into spoilers but i don't think he needed to be as like he could still be interesting but instead of being in, it doesn't need to be likable even but at least interesting but it's, it's instead he just seemed like he was making the grating annoying choices that would keep everything in the bathroom instead of anything else so, I kind of love and hate this movie. I'm half and half. I don't know how to rate it. Um, yeah, I, I think it depends how much you like this main actor, too. Uh, but J.K. Simmons is awesome in it. And the other criticism of it, though, is it's not goopy enough. Like, if you tell me a movie's uh, goopy, it needs to be goopy. Like, yeah. This, it was not, I wouldn't even describe it as goopy unless that's how people had been describing it to me. If I had watched it and you said, oh, like, what kind of horror is it? I wouldn't be, like, talking about that or even say it's, like, all that much of a gross-out horror. So, I definitely say check it out if you, if the premise sounds cool. Um, But it didn't quite ring the bell that I wanted it to ring. And you can watch that on Shudder. Wow. So you feel like the premise was handled well, though? Like the, the core, the elevator pitch? Like, if you if you went into the movie with that, you would you'd feel satisfied? Or is it I just like... I think it's relatable because every time I use a public restroom, it is a horror movie <laughs> to me. Oh my gosh. So it immediately <laughs> is like, oh, I could see where this is going. Yeah, I mean, 
I I think it's close, and the fact that it's only like seventy five minutes, uh, the story it tells like fits really well in seventy five minutes, and it feels like oh awesome. It kind of feels like when you read a really good short story, like a longish short story, and you're like, okay, I understand why there wasn't a ton of meat there that I kind of would have wanted, but at least it was a fast, well-told story. Um, but I don't know. I think it just, like, the guy was so is so annoying being locked in this room, and I hate when the character is being annoying and just... Obviously, you can't get out. <laughs> and you're talking to a god who's kind of proven that, but you're still, like, just trying to pull the door open and whining. It just was really annoying and not net. Like, I want my main characters or protagonists to, like, make stupid choices and fuck up and, you know, do all that. But at least be interesting about it, not just pulling on the door over and over. Uh, but it does definitely have um, bathroom horror, like <laughs> the horror of being in a public restroom, especially like a rest stop restroom. Yeah. Well, is that where the goopiness comes in? I mean, there's some goop there, yeah. It's it's actually that Gwyneth Paltrow's in it is why they describe <laughs> it as goopy. Oh, okay. I see. She doesn't remember being in it, but she is. Um, but yeah, check it out. Just because it's a short movie, like it, it flies by. And has a somewhat interesting twist to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sounds cool. I mean, driving through the South, whenever I look up like Google reviews for like a given gas station to to rest at, there's always like some person asking if there's a glory hole there. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I just, I don't see the appeal, but I guess there's some danger to it, you know, that feels exciting. But, I feel uh, I feel like it's a trucker thing mostly, too. Yeah, like, you try driving for eighteen hours a day for three weeks straight and not want a blowjob from a hole. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a there's like a couple of like adult books and video superstores along forty for that reason too. So you just get lonely when you're on the road for a living. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I I have the same problem when I do my uh, semi truck simulator video game. <laughs> uh. Are there glory holes in that game? Well, I mean, depends on what you mean. <laughs> I have dual monitor, so the second monitor just plays the most <laughs> rancid videos you've ever seen. And <laughs> moving on, Olympia, what else you've been watching? Um, <clears throat> I watched Prey. And I really loved it. Uh, Ooh, yeah. What's your overall like um, predator in the in the world of predator? Where does prey stand? Hmm. I think it's about equal to two. I want to say, which two is a fine movie. It just doesn't obviously doesn't touch the first, which is a a bona fide classic. Um, but I really enjoy watching two, and I really enjoyed watching this one. I thought the. Uh, the production design in this one was really cool. ADI did a really good job with like the practical effects and the creature designs. Um, and this was sort of a breakout role for for a creature designer um, who designed like the predator's face. I think his name is Michael Vincent. And uh, 
he uh he he nailed it pretty good um yeah the mask design is really cool the mask design is really sick the prop design is cool i like i like the use of the predator's blood um yeah just a cool movie all around uh enjoyed it way more than i thought i would yeah, because we've been hurt more by Predator movies than not, so it's always gets... I remember waiting so long for AVP. I was so excited. <laughs> I I was telling people, like, hey, I could die after AVP comes out. I don't care. I just need to live until that movie comes out, <laughs> and then then AVP came out. And, and, the, and you died. It was a death of sorts, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, when that movie came out, people were, was like were telling me it's horrid and I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's supposed to be like, you know, sort of a a campy uh horror movie. Like maybe it's not for mainstream audiences, but then when we went to go see it, it was like worse than I could ever imagine it being. Um and yeah, like I, the last Shane Black Predator movie wasn't great either. Uh so, yeah, I mean, Predator hasn't had a very good history of recent films, but this one was awesome. Um, what did you guys think? Oh, yeah, I loved it. I thought it's like, yeah, top tier Predator, what a Predator movie should be. And I think my only real knock on it isn't necessarily like a knock on it, but it's just it didn't really add too much to Predator lore and and what we've seen predator do because it isn't necessarily a rehash of the first but it fits very closely to like kind of the general beats and even things we've seen it's like the tech we saw but slightly different and the situations we've already seen predator do but slightly different uh and that's also its strength and like why it nails it and rocks but i'm like okay i wonder if they can somehow do this great predator uh, plot style where it's underpowered person having to fight the predator and have it be, you know, wits versus brawn. But can we somehow do that on another planet or something and still serve that? Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Um, and I feel like that's been explored pretty effectively in other uh media like comics and books yeah that's but, true but not so much in, in film yet um i think that's a, a great critique of this movie uh that it sort of hits like very similar predator beats to the first one um, yeah it's hard to knock that though because that it's still like no that's why it ruled versus like some of these other the predator where you're like this isn't even this isn't what predator is about yeah yeah it's it's the original recipe that made it work extra crispy <laughs> I, um, one thing i also appreciate is that it was like a solid dog movie too i like how heavily yeah. the dog is featured in it yeah very definitely. true do you like how um you know you saw avp and part of you died and you were so incredibly disappointed but then avp requiem comes out and they do <laughs> somehow fuck you worse than the first oh movie. my god yeah yeah so much worse it's like you're like this movie was terrible 
they've fucked me over so hard they could never fuck me over worse and they're like challenge accepted and uh, <laughs> it's just like the most awful thing you could ever watch you've been resurrected that's i Not felt like, like jesus this. i'd been resurrected <laughs> but then they killed me again that's what happened right he died yeah. sometime right yeah. he died twice how did he die the second time I think uh, it was a uh, spirit bomb. You can take my energy, Goku. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) All right, very cool. Prey, any other thoughts about Prey? Um, Well, Prey 2. What about Prey 2 thoughts? Prey 2. The credits has like a. Has like drawings of another ship. Um. Sure, I'll take it. What do you think they're gonna call it? Pray to ter. Praise. It's like pray to another predator, <laughs> and then there's hands. Um, <laughs> I like how the French guys in this movie were like all just like these constantly drunk, like bumbling, <laughs> like colonizer guys. It was like very cartoonish. I feel like that really added to the movie, especially in the se- the second act. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, great flick. Awesome, Chris. What about you? Um, you want to talk about She Hulk? <laughs> Do I? Uh, Olympia, did you get a chance to watch She Hulk episode one? I have not, but I've I've been tuned in. I've been tuned in. I will say. To uh, to some of the, <laughs> the the conversations around that show. Yeah. So Chris, She Hulk. This is the new uh, She Hulk Attorney at Law, Disney Plus about the She Hulk character. What did you think of episode one? Um, I'm convinced that they used AI to write this show, <laughs> and uh, it's I don't know, man. These shows. These shows are doing, I feel like, nothing for me at this point. I really love Tatiana Maslany. I think she's really funny. And the show is just, like, everything you would imagine it to be, it is. Just this, like, so by-the-books mediocre, like, we have to tell this story, so here it is. We don't have any other good ideas for it. It's just, this exists, so willing it to yeah uh, i don't know i i yeah i i think that what's really strange to me is that before it even came out there's like all this talk about the writers explaining before it comes out that they don't really know lot like courtroom dramas so that they didn't write it to be as like a courtroom drama like already covering their asses which is a very bad sign to me and then also that they said oh uh, we had to change up Marvel assets like they want less computer graphics usage so we had to rewrite more stuff like with her just not as Hulk and you're like mm. so you're just saying that like they've already fucked with the show and the original vision like uh, from yeah. top to bottom not that like I, and I don't know nothing about She-Hulk I, I've heard it's um, faithful to the a comic run or something from it but for me, I went into it with that um, that interview I heard as well. I think it was the head writer who almost a literal quote is, we found out quickly that none of us could write compelling courtroom drama scenes. 
or something like that. Um, but then the defense of that was, well, it's a comedy. So, you know, we don't need that. We don't need to be that. And then that interested me. Like, okay, what if this is like a real comedy? Marvel hasn't done a comedy yet. So let's see it. So I, I think maybe I messed up one just even watching it <laughs> because I'm I'm already like done with a lot of the Marvel stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I don't even like think it's necessarily bad. It's just like I'm getting nothing, no nutrients out of it. Yeah, it's like why I don't get McDonald's burgers anymore if I'm like really hungry and need food. I'm like that. There's no nutrients that are going to sustain me from this meal. It is just gonna fill cement into my belly. So I shouldn't eat this. But then, too, I went into it just thinking it was going to be, I mean, maybe not like 30 Rock, but maybe like aspiring to be that funny. Or like Rick and Morty even, um, since I believe it, the head writer is a writer on that show. And then the the show, it, I don't think I really counted a single like joke in the show. And there's, like, Marvel jokes in there. Like, the jokes you would see in anything. Like, any movie. Any movie has jokes in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I hate when uh, people point out a movie like, well, it's kind of a comedy because it has some humor. It's like, that's because every movie needs to have some little parts of humor. Yeah. So you don't blow your fucking brains out. I mean, not every movie, but, like, action movies will have it. Every Everything will. And that's just the level of comedy in it, which I don't really, I wouldn't call that a comedy. It's no more funny than like the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> like, it has about as many jokes and the quality of jokes as that. So I was super disappointed in that. And then nothing else was really that compelling to me about the show to, to make up for that. So I was super disappointed and I just don't understand how anybody would call it a comedy it really like shakes me to my core that maybe there's something broken inside of me am i not seeing the jokes it's interesting to me that the writers commented that they couldn't uh come up with a compelling like courtroom drama show when there's like like there's one in the zeitgeist right now that you could easily reference um, well, and yeah, and there's comedies. You have Harvey Birdman, Ali McBeal. Yeah. 100%. Like these are funny. And Ali McBeal. Liar, liar. Is... Facts. I, I, and I, have you guys watched Ali McBeal? No. No. It's very goofy. Uh-huh. And it's funny. I would say it's funnier than this show. Like well, that's true. as a I straight mean... comedy. They just need a dancing baby Hulk, and then <laughs> it'll be the next viral hit. They love His baby name's Yoda. Grogu. Yeah. They just get a baby Hulk in the show, make it dance. Number one show on television. They're on and streaming. On wherever the hell you find this crap. But the action was really weird, too. There's a fight scene between She-Hulk and uh, Jamila whomever and it's really kind of it is i don't know if it's supposed to be silly it's like they scrapped it and just like made a montage of it because they couldn't have any good shots like yeah it feels like it's missing around it to fix it in post yeah 
it feels like when you see the like uh, previously on yeah a uh, thing on a show and it's like shows a fight scene so it's just like really cutting quickly between <laughs> to progress through it that's how the actual fight scene felt yeah and also um, uh you know she fights hulk a little bit and then they kiss and it's just kind of weird because they're cousins right <laughs> it's okay because they're radioactive so wait are they, they not cousins know. in this show they are and they no, kiss they're... isn't that weird that is weird. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. They don't actually. Kiss. He's okay. just obsessed but with they're... that imagery. <laughs> I just keep every week. I'm like, there's so much sexual tension between the characters. It's so weird. I'd be surprised if any of these MCU shows have any sexual content at all in them. They seem very. Uh, there's very just a, one single shot of Hulk with a boner. <laughs> You're like, oh no. This is the last thing I wanted to see. They, I mean, they do make the jokes about that's part of the humor of Hulk is that, uh, you know, Jennifer Walters, like, does Captain America fuck, dude? He definitely fucks. Like, there, yeah, and I don't there's, even, like, uh, did you see the after credit scene, Joe? Uh, no, I've just, like, seen it in meme form, okay. or not meme, but, like, slide form. Because yeah, basically she gets an argument or a, a discussion with Bruce Banner about how when did Captain America lose his virginity? Is he a virgin? And then like <clears throat> in the, the credits, there's like a after credit scene where he like tells her, Oh yeah, he had sex. And then she's like, Captain America fucks, but it like cuts before she could say it, which is like, Oh, the joke that you wrote is to cut off the, the F word. That's the joke. Like, it's so not humor. So yeah, what? It, it's just like it's it's podcast talk, you know. Just like, <laughs> hey guys, did uh, Captain America ever have sex? Well, he was on the USO tour. It's like it's just they turn that into dialogue in a show that's supposed to be funny, and that's not how you write jokes. Dude, like, imagine if this was, have you guys seen Girls 5 Eva? I haven't. Just like no. a female-led comedy show, and this is yeah. kind of a female-led show as well. I wish She-Hulk was like that joke density of that show, and it was trying to be that funny. I think that would be cool. Instead, it's just, it is just blah. Yeah. Just like Rapid Fire, where every line's a joke. Something yeah, and like they're that. actually jokes. Or like Angie Tribeca. Just make oh, She-Hulk yeah. like Angie Tribeca. Like, try that. Because you literally haven't done it before. Like, I don't know who would... If I turned in that script myself, and I alleged it to be funny or a comedy, my hand would be trembling handing in that script. <laughs> and I would be ready to take my own life later that night. <laughs> Jeez, such a dark episode of just constantly bringing that up. Um, now there was the discourse about it of like you know this uh, this little sequence where she talks with uh, Bruce Banner, or Hulk, whatever you want to call him, about how she's better at controlling her anger because of uh, all the microaggressions that women have. Um, and I hated that that was the debate, the main debate of the show you know of its merit 
because I think you could certainly criticize that scene and call it, you know, AI written or like just Twitter written and shit like that. I think that's fair, but it's like, that's not the real issue with the show. The real issue with the show is it's bland. Yeah. Well, it's it's even more offensive than like an AR Twitter written show. It's it's bland and then it's moralizing too. Like <laughs> if it if it was just bland, that'd be one thing. But it's like it it also has like this sort of feminist subtext that seems to be the point of discussion now. But but one thing I've also heard around that show is is the visual effects. That's that's what I've heard the most about that show is that they seem to be not to the usual standard of quality um mm-hmm. but i don't know if that's true or not because uh, i've only seen like clips and stuff and oh you know all sorts of stuff is taken out of context um yeah yeah i didn't particularly think it looked great but i'll almost let that pass because like look at cw shows people eat that shit up and that those look like dog shit a lot of the time the cw um superhero shows yeah, it's that's like you true. could see the effects budget is low, but if it's entertaining, you just go with it. If it's not, you're going to start picking it apart. Yeah. And yeah, I thought sometimes she looked a bit weird. And maybe, and the Hulk to me doesn't. So is that some sort of sexist bias? Maybe because of how I want to see women, you know, like more clearly and like sexually or something like that? I don't know. But I also think she's less extreme than he is you know you could uh, you're if something looks fake but it's so insanely different than what a human looks like it's a bit easier to take than like oh a slightly larger green woman yeah the the uncanny valley effect kicks in a lot more the more like realistic and approximate to to a normal woman she looks Um, also i'm assuming that they had to uh they could like use his like cg renders from the movies true yeah in the show right versus her when they had to remake her from scratch yeah like i'm the assuming same but i don't meshes. actually know the design so i'm not can't you just drag and drop hulk from infinity war into this <laughs> i assume that's how it works right <laughs> that's i mean what they I'm do assuming they do have a money. giant rigged 3d asset yeah like they, they I'm assuming that they could have done that, but again, I'm not a, a VFX artist. That would make sense know. why he looks so much better, if yeah. if it's true. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good point. To me, in a lot of ways, she also looks like a green woman. Like she she doesn't have, there doesn't seem to be any sort of sense of design with her. I don't know. Yeah, I think they could have gone a little bit more extreme and not even necessarily like bulky the way the Hulk is, but just bulk in certain places like some of the the cartoon images look like yeah and this is the time to do that you know you you have to push that boundary if you're if you're gonna have like this the show this female fronted show about a, a strong lady um just just go ham with the the buffness no need although to be i do understand i do understand there you know the 3d artists are already to the brink according to all reports so it's like hey if we make her look a little bit more extreme and cartoonish but good how many more 
artist suicides will there be and they're like oh many okay we'll make her look shitty that way these people don't have nervous breakdowns <laughs> you know it's like yeah that's true like do i care that it looks bad if i know the context of like how much they're pushing the limit of every vfx house like i think i don't <laughs> i'm like yeah. let it look bad <laughs> it's okay totally you know, they should have just got Lou Ferrigno to play her and then put her face over it, his body. Oh, so good. That guy's hilarious, too. Check out yeah. Dead Heat. If you want a funny movie, Dead Heat. That's good. I think it was Lou. No, it wasn't Lou Ferrigno. It was someone else in that. Never mind. Joe Pishkapo, I think. <laughs> just completely wrong. Jeez, Who here no. has not confused Joe Pishkapo with I don't, I don't Lou even Ferrigno. know who... I know that name, but I don't even know who that is. Off top of my he head. was an SNL cast member. Uh, then he thought he was getting real hot, so he left to start a movie career. And uh, you don't know who Joe Pesciapo <laughs> is. So. Oh, yeah, this guy. Okay. Uh, he's in Dead Heat with Treat Williams. So go check that out. Uh, not Now that it has no context to, to why it would be brought up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Any other She-Hulk thoughts? Um, no. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna watch the rest of it. So Chris is gonna be the eyes and ears. Um, I guess I will suffer for you, Jeff. <laughs> uh, moving on. Let's see. Um, what else have you guys been watching? You guys got a, a couple more things. What are we looking like? I got like three more things besides the rehearsal. Wow. Chris the Watcher. <laughs> um, I haven't been watching much. much ugh, I haven't been watching much lately because I've been really busy. Um, basically, just, just those things of all I've had time for lately. Cool, uh, Chris, why don't you uh, throw one out and then as we work our way towards the rehearsal and then DBS SH. Uh, one movie I went to see in theaters yesterday was uh, this new Steven Spielberg movie called E.T. the Extraterrestrial. <laughs> Brand new uh, in theaters. It's crazy because they digitally uh, uh, de-aged Drew Barrymore to like the age of like a <laughs> five or six year old. It's insane how good it looks. <laughs> That's demonic. <laughs> That's uh, you, I think you watched the orphan. The oh orphan. shit! It's orphan. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, you watched the new. Um, what would they call that? A legacy screening of ET. Yeah, yeah. So they re-released ET in theaters. Some friends of mine wanted to go see it. Since I got that AMC movie pass, I was like, "Yeah, let's go." Uh, I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. Like so long that I can't really remember. I couldn't remember it that well. Except for like mm-hmm. the most iconic scenes, uh, but yeah, rewatching it, it's just like it's a real, you know, real perfect '80s movie that still holds up, still looks great, and Henry Thomas as Elliot is like one of the greatest child actors probably ever. Yeah, too bad uh, he kind of lost it, right? He's a he's about to be in a movie. I saw a trailer for it a couple months ago for some like movie where he's uh 
he's like working on a house and he's like under the floor working on it and then some like criminals come in that had like robbed someplace or like killed someone and they're like trying to hide so it's like a thriller where he's like oh wow stuck in a house with these bad guys the return it's the return of child actors between kihei kwan and now elliot it's called crawl space uh but yeah so i mean yeah no but the movie's really it's just really good it's really cool how all the practical effects they use you know there's like i don't there's no parts in it where you see like shitty cg and you're like oh yeah, that's ADCG. Like, uh, there's mm. nothing in there that really looks like that. I don't think they really used any, but I I think I remember there being a remake, not a remake, but the way that they did the um, original uh, Star Wars movies, where yeah. like they added Jabba, and he uh-huh. looked like dog shit. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like I remember seeing a version of uh, ET re-release that had some 3D stuff, and it it was so bad looking. <laughs> that even like my, at the young age that I watched that re-release, it was like you knew like oh, this was a mistake. I'm ten and I can tell that this was a huge mistake, but I might be um th- I might be making that memory up thinking about a uh, um like Star Wars or something like that. Wasn't that was there a version of ET where they replaced guns with walkie talkies for the uh. The suited containment, like government guys. I I've heard that that lore, and I don't know if that was like I did see guys with guns. Made. This movie, but uh, I don't remember seeing the scientists with guns. Okay. So maybe they did edit it out, or it was part of that shitty version that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that I made up. And now you've made up part of the lore of my shitty made-up version too, <laughs> Olympia. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I would really like to rewatch this movie. I actually have seen it. It's still playing at AMC now, and I'm like thinking, okay, do I try to make some time to go go check that in the theater, or do I just load it up on Disney Plus or something? They Okay, so 30th anniversary Blu-ray edition restores the footage with guns. So, yeah, they must have taken them out. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's 2002, a special anniversary edition, which digitally remixes a bunch of this stuff. Now, I have a question. There's been a few attempts to recapture that uh, 80s like sci-fi vibe um, mm-hmm. in the past decade or so. Do you feel like any of those projects have like successfully done it? after? And after watching E.T., do you feel like if there's something missing with these like new projects, like stranger things or like that JJ Abrams movie, super eight. Um, like I feel like there is a really strong sense of nostalgia, uh, because those movies are so atmospheric, um, and really stay with you. I don't know what it is about those movies. Cause you know, I didn't grow up in the eighties, uh, but they, they mm. have like a, a very strong vibe, I guess. Um, that I think has been attempted to recaptured with with very degrees of success. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Like after watching ET again, uh, 
I think I don't know what it is. Maybe part of it I feel like is the score is so good in ET mm. that I don't think any of these movies ever have a score that's like that is as like Super Eight score good. is pretty good though. Is it? But not I don't know if it compares really. I'd say some of the songs do, but it doesn't truly compare to. Does ET have a John ET. Williams score? Um because uh, that's, I mean, he's been a very, yeah, he's been a very influential collaborator. I mean, some would definitely. Yeah, it is John Williams. Okay, yeah. Maybe it's it, the John Williams factor is really so powerful. There um, is something to it. I mean, yeah, the music is, is huge. I'm even thinking, like, as I'm working on a, a self-produced feature, it's like, how can I put the most money into music? It's like worth grabbing a composer who's just beyond good. Like the chunk of the budget being the composer, a big chunk. Because, um, yeah, I, I feel like we even look back at Lost and what do you think about? You think about the music pretty heavily. Yeah. It was part of the vibe. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I do th- think with... Oh, God. No, I think that's a good yeah. observation. Um, the music is definitely like a huge part of it. And uh, I don't know, there's been a lot of like, there's been a lot of people suggesting that that John Williams contributions to Star Wars when it first came out was like something that really elevated it over just being another like pulpy sci-fi movie. Um, but Yeah, imagine some like rock guitar during Star Wars <laughs> or something. Like all yeah. the gravitas just sucked out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the pro- one big problem with any of these movies trying to do the nostalgia thing is it's the nostalgia. They're taking it from, like, the lens of looking at it instead of, like, thinking about what made this great. Like, what were the components of it? Instead of doing that, they're, like, trying to copy certain things from these movies like directly reference them and whatnot like oh it was that he wore a brown shirt and it's like that's not what it was yeah 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 it's like they created those movies while they're living in it versus recreating Mm -hmm. what it feels like to live in it and it's like i'm sure it's easier with set design and stuff like that when you're like well let's just get what we can at the store or whatever whatever you're buying is going to match the setting versus people who have to like look back and see like what would has the same look as those things similarly because that's one thing that like really sells it to me is like when they're in elliot's house the entire house like really feels like the 80s there's like just it just feels lived in or like uh like in the explorers yeah it's not trying to look like an 80s house oh this is a house and there's shit everywhere and it's like it looks like they filmed in someone's real house versus a set. Yeah. And that's, I like Stranger Things because I don't think it's trying to be genuine. I think it's going full bore to be like, no, we're, we are the, um, like, neon memory of the 80s. We aren't trying to be the 80s. And I think there's some merit in going full bore like that versus being like, oh, this is how the 80s were, and you're not really nailing it. You're still nailing uh, 
there's still something false about it. Yeah. I, I do like Super 8, though, but I do think it's, like, it sucks that it's, like, an E.T. wannabe in a way, but it's, it's like, what made E.T. so relatable? He was a kind alien. <laughs> yeah. And then this, you're like, oh, he's so scary and, like, killing everything for a while. And then you realize he could be E.T.-ish. And it's just like, yeah, did you not understand E.T.? I don't want you to make E.T., but, like, you tried to make this an action horror movie at the same time. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So, so yeah, I saw E.T. And then I also saw, I watched this movie, uh, Baby Assassins, <laughs> that came out mm. last year. It's a uh, Japanese movie about two young uh high school girls that are about to graduate and they're like they're like hitmen basically and uh something goes wrong in one of their missions and they basically have to like share an apartment together and uh get part-time jobs to blend in while they're undercover Mm -hmm. and but it's it's basically a comedy about like two like gen z girls that are super good at killing but also like one of them is super introverted and one of them is very extroverted so they they clash a lot and they're trying to work random shitty jobs uh together while wishing they could just go out and kill people that uh, sounds it's, fun I love it's those, very it's really movies. funny and the action it's like the action is really really great in the beginning and the end basically are, are like the, the really great action scenes. And then the rest of it is this like life comedy about them trying to fit in and being somewhat psychos mm. uh, and getting in trouble with like a, uh, with Yakuza that are like on their back. Nice. Uh, it's a Japanese movie. Yeah. yeah. So it's Japanese. Uh, it was in, I watched it with subtitles but I bought it on Vudu, I think, for like 15, 20 bucks, something like that. But I had heard good things, and uh, it is it is really good. I liked it a lot. Nice. Wanted to check that out. Yeah. Very cool. And does that bring you to the rehearsal? Uh, I have one other thing, and then the rehearsal. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you want me to go. Yeah, so I, I watched all of uh, Sandman. Also. Oh, you finished it? Yeah. yeah Olympia. So I finished uh, it. I feel like you would have been a Sandman fan, or at least had it on your radar, the the comic book series. Yeah, of course. Um, and I've heard really good things about the series. I haven't watched it yet, um, but what I've been hearing, I've been hearing very good things about it. And, you know, it's interesting because the comic book is, like, very stylized and... I don't know. It's it's like a, it's a very comic book comic book. So I'm interested to see how they some of the concepts, like, translate to to the show for sure chris now that you've finished the series how do you how do you feel about it yeah never i had never read the series um and like i think last week i watched the first episode maybe it's week before but basically i was saying the first episode really doesn't tell you what is going on whatsoever and kind of just throws something happening at you uh but then the second episode immediately tells you what's going on and then from there, it's just like the show constantly changes. It's it's a very strange show. Uh, 
but what I would relate it to most is it's like American Gods. You know that show that Brian Fuller made for Showtime about like gods living it. among us and in, in like in our time, right? Yeah, um, isn't that another Neil Gaiman? Yeah, yeah, project? which is like a Neil Gaiman book series. Yeah. And so it it's very similar to that because you hear Sandman and you're like, okay, so like a dude that does stuff with sleep and you're like, yeah, okay, so the story is actually that he's like the god of dreams essentially. Right. And he's locked up for 100 years. The world is suffering because people can't dream properly. And then throughout the the season, he's like in you is there you're introduced to other gods like the god of desire or the god of death <clears throat> and a lot of the episodes will focus on like one other character specifically so the first couple episodes focus on him and then like the second half of the show kind of shifts the focus to a handful of other characters so mm. it's like it really is like hard to grasp what an i get in your head like what the show would be if you watched it because of that but it is really interesting because it's just all kind of like world building of this crazy fantasy world where you know gods are real and they do influence things and and uh like i and i was telling you i I think in the third episode they have jenna coleman in there from doctor who and she plays john constantine basically he like she he's supposed to be in the comics i believe right olympia yeah. yeah. Um, and so they change it to a to her. She's it's like a female John Constantine. Interesting. But yeah, so she's in there for like an episode basically and she's just fight, banishing demons back to hell. And then there's an episode where he goes to hell uh and he, and it's um the woman from Game of Thrones. Gosh, I forgot her name. Are you? No, the uh, the really tall knight. Are woman. you hungry? No, I was just asking. Are you hungry? <laughs> oh, I didn't okay. guess incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, she's not. Oh yeah, Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, that's. Her. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. She plays Lucifer. Oh, so um, Lucifer is in the show. Yeah. Because yeah. they made a Lucifer show that was kind of lousy. Oh, um, and that was based on the same uh, character. That was. Yeah, it was based on the same character because there was like oh, a Lucifer spinoff comic. Interesting. Okay. That's yeah, cool. so it's weird. It's weird how this show is like tied into that stuff, kind of. I don't know, almost like stealthily. But um, yeah, like the second half of the show, basically, there's like this new character that they introduce, this young girl, who's like an who whose mother dies and she's looking for her brother. And she moves into this, like, she moves into this house that's, like, an Airbnb with, like, five other people. And then they're all, like, new characters, too. So it's, like, it's just constantly different uh, stories going on kind of all over the place. But it is it is really interesting. And the funny thing was it reminded me so much of American Gods that so, some parts of it, the imagery, I was like, oh, this is, like a less good version of like a Brian Fuller show. And then you American gods is Brian Fuller, but then they like kicked him off after the first season. So that's why I only watched the first season, Mm. but I I think Uh, that this show is still, is still very interesting how 
I, I don't think I've ever seen a show besides American Gods that's kind of like it, where it's like this fantasy about gods living among us and how they work and all that stuff. It's pretty interesting. Okay. Doesn't sound that dissimilar from the comic. Yeah, so um, I'm assuming it's like the comic because it seems like they get, they're get they trying to get through a lot yeah. uh, with the show. And I guess they just like released two or one of two like bonus episodes that they had made. Um, that are like separate from the season that I had. I only watched the first 10 minutes of the first one. Cause I think they have only released the first one, but it's like an animated like hour long episode oh. about like cats that are like talking to each other and stuff. So interesting. Yeah. Then it's just, it was uh, an autoplay of in the next series that <laughs> had nothing to do with it, but you just assumed was, <laughs> was connected. <laughs> All right. You guys get what I mean. Should we get into the <laughs> rehearsal? <laughs> yeah. Not trying to sell that one. Uh, let's get into the rehearsal, the final episode for people who have been uh, listening to us. We've been talking about every episode. Give them some spoilers. It's Nathan Fielder's show where he helps people rehearse the hardest parts of challenges in their life. That way they can do it better. And it's been building to where it's all about him, really rehearsing be understanding people better and living his own life so let's get into talking about the finale here i do want to give an anecdote to start it off um i'm part of the slash film patreon which is another film podcast and uh, they were talking about episode five in one of their episode their bonus episodes um and one of the hosts said something to the effect of like the it, episode five being kind of the meanest episode where Nathan's really trying to like cause start shit with Angela, his partner in this. And I would get commented to the effect of like, Hey, I kind of feel like you're ignoring the fact that this is an absurd comedy at its heart. So like any, any fucked up thing, it's not, it shouldn't really be seen as like, this is an objective experiment that we're doing, you know, that he's trying to actually like earnestly do an experiment. Like we shouldn't be looking at this like that because then, yeah, you are going to be like, Oh, what he's doing is fucked up and it wouldn't work. It's like, well, of course it, that's the comedy of it. That's how absurd it is. But after watching episode six, <laughs> I kind of want to like take that comment back and be like, okay, Maybe this is rightfully mean and dangerous. Uh, how did you guys like uh, the finale, uh, starting with Olympia? Dad? Um, I mean, it's tricky uh, because I really feel like a lot of the critiques from the last episode uh, were sort of off the mark for me because ultimately Angela decided to leave the show on her own. The rehearsed conflict that he had didn't even come, like, manifest itself. If, like, it isn't really, I don't really see it as his subjects as being, like, victimized because she was, like, allowed to disengage on her own terms. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, with this one, it's. It's interesting, uh, 
some of the 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 themes that were carry on carried from previously from the last episode how they were handled now um in less charitable ways i guess if that makes any sense it's not yeah it's not in any way uh trying to hide the fact that this whole thing was a mistake and like yeah. a p- potentially dangerous mistake yeah um, which uh oh. the, the, I'll talk a little bit later about some of insights that I've heard fr- straight from the horse's mouth from this episode. Um, re- hashtag justice for Remy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that episode five, it really is like, okay, you could say he's what he's doing uh, as far as like teaching his son Jewish studies behind her back is fucked up. And it would be if that was a real relationship. And they'd never be in a relationship together anyway, for sure. But it's obviously for art's sake. Like, the fact that he sneaks out and goes into the basement and teaches his kid Jewish studies about when the Jews had to hide and teach each other Judaism uh, in secret, you know, so the king wouldn't find out. Like, it's obviously, like, written and structured to serve a point that's it's not trying to be mean over doing that you know so i do think yeah a lot of that for episode five is just kind of like yeah you don't seem to understand the show any people who are criticizing that but yeah this episode definitely is like oh you're really pulling the curtain and like letting us know how fuck this up this is but also the fact that you're showing us seems just as fucked up because you're still using this as content yeah yeah (laughs) i i completely agree um yeah and this this episode also sort of like settled a lot of internal questions and conflicts that i had when i was watching the show especially like the 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 conflicts around like the the religion um <laughs> which were were questions uh that kept on bothering me in you know episode 5 um as well and you know those were sort of extruded into to more conflicts with this episode um one thing when it comes to like the total treatment of his subjects is when he basically put himself in the shoes of that actor i think it was in episode four um and he was standing there and he was like looking at the uh appearance release and he was like well there's a lot of pages here and everyone else is signing it mm-hmm. um and it it <laughs> it really i think it's there to demystify um how these people end up on his show uh, yeah, what legal like NDA loopholes they've been into, so where they uh, do end up being subject to all this. Yeah, or to the extent of their knowledge about what the whole thing entails when they're going into the show as well. Like he makes a note to say, like, "There's a lot of stuff here. I can't read it all while I'm just standing here." Um, mm. And I'm sure these producers go through, you know, a bunch of potential candidates to be on the show because they just bought out a craigslist ad there's probably an extensive screening process and then you know um 
so it's I could see where the dilemmas start to arise because there's it is entirely possible that they don't know the extent of what they're getting into um and uh and I think that's their them being able to to say no stop like under their own sort of agency is something that was why I don't think there was like a huge problem with episode five, but yeah, it's a little different here. Um, but yeah, yeah, because you 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 see even with consent, yeah, uh, things can damage, and then also like is it is consent even possible with some of these subjects? But yeah, right. it is that thing where he's making a point that actually extends to all reality TV and arguably even fiction. TV and movies and whatnot, entertainment in general, YouTube, uh, letters. No, <laughs> just start <laughs> listing things. Um, but you know, especially you see like YouTube and TikTok with little kids and Instagram and shit, where you're like, does this kid want to be in this? So it's it's raising really good questions while also participating in in that, in doing it. It's like it's not just saying hey everybody it's actually really dangerous what we allow kids to do in the public eye but it's having to do actually that commit that crime to prove that point and but where i think it succeeds is that it kind of ends on such a on a note it the way it ends is it's not trying to um what would you say uh it's not trying to lecture us yeah at all by the end it's it's being just as creepy and weird at the end to say like yeah fuck it this was fucked up like that's like kind of how i read the ending it makes sense because it i feel like we i feel like there is this sort of attitude in society where you can sort of control your own destiny and the things that happen to you if you have enough money and resources to throw at it. Um, and that's like, obviously that's the core premise of the show. Uh, and I, I think challenging that sort of secret, like sort of that conceit that we all hold in our heads is something that ma makes a show really compelling. Um, to me. The core secret that we all hold in our heads that we all want to be called daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nathan. <laughs> it's so... It just gets so emotionally deep and like character deep by this last episode. Yeah. That like by that point you're even seeing Nathan completely stripped of his facade. At least like seemingly in a lot of those scenes. Seeing him be tender with the kid yeah. and all that. Um, only to, at the end, really like revert <laughs> and like yeah. say, "Hey, this Have is like all a the data turn I got." Of the character. Yeah, he's like, "I got all the data, and actually, you know what? I want to control things." <laughs> it makes me excited for what season two could possibly be. Yeah. Given this, and it's also kind of insane because I've recently rewatched Nathan for You all four seasons. And, like, even all four seasons of that don't feel as dense of 
like thematically dense and story dense as this one six episode season did so i just don't even understand where it could go but i trust him completely with my child (laughs) (laughs) i mean for me this is um this whole show sort of picks off picks up where finding francis sort of left off um because Mm -hmm. that turned out to be like uh, a story that sort of became about Nathan as well. Um, and specifically how his inability to want to have control and be voyeuristic stopped him from having an emotional connection. Yeah. Because um, as that episode ends, the hooker that he's been paying to hang out with them <laughs> asked him, like, hey, do you, you want to, like, turn the cameras off and just hang out? And he's like, is that... Well, we're supposed to do is that what we should do and then she's like yeah do you and he's like no <laughs> and it's just really tragic i love that last scene though because then he's like oh do you want to see the drone and there's just like this noisy ass yeah. drone <laughs> yeah it's, it's really scarish it's yeah really garish. <laughs> i love yeah. it and he's he makes the same mistake essentially that france or not francis but um bill gates did in some ways yeah yeah it is a bit of an extension of that for sure um yeah any other oh i so remy's grandmother's on twitter and she says he's doing fine that's good he's doing good he wasn't permanently damaged from it (laughs) i think he's probably like just damaged anyway from not having a father or you know not damaged but I don't want to assess the kid, but that's just a hard thing to get through, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I think the the show was just more of a symptom of that than it was a cause of any, any, any harm. Right. Yeah, any other thoughts about the rehearsal? Or do you want to rehearse one? (laughs) Good joke. All right, why don't we get into our discussion of Dragon Ball Super Superhero? Dragon Ball Super Superhero. The Red Ribbon Army from Goku's past has returned with two new androids to challenge him and his friends. This is the newest Dragon Ball feature film directed by Tetsuro Kodama, written by Akira Toriyama. Let's get into it with our pre-spoiler reviews. Let's throw it to our guest, Olympia. What did you think of Dragon Ball Super Superhero? Um, I was a little mixed on it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I felt like the the last movie, Brawly, was a, a bit more tightly directed. Um. But I there were there were a few things I, I liked about it. Um, it seems like the writing gets more sophisticated with each Dragon Ball movie. Um, yeah, they spend a lot more time elaborating on the characters' motivations, um, which is not something that Dragon Ball has historically done well, uh, especially in their movies. Uh, so I appreciate that they they seem to be the writing seems to get be getting better. Um, I'll say I do like that. 
you know, the story uh, centered on characters uh, that the rest of Dragon Ball tends to ignore. Um, the Red Ribbon Army is what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I I mean, I, I, I was, you know, I was mixed on it. Uh, I just... I feel like it was a, a pretty weak follow-up to Brawly. Um, but... Yeah, uh, it it was fun. It was fun regardless, though. I I enjoyed it, um, even though I felt like it was a step back in in some ways. All right, and Chris, what about you? Um, I enjoyed. I liked the movie a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think that I just appreciated that it wasn't about Goku and uh, Vegeta for once. You get to really focus on the other characters. I just really enjoyed that aspect of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought, so I thought that like uh, it's more of like a fun adventure because it's not just Goku and Vegeta turning Super Saiyan God and like being the most powerful. It, it made it feel like it was like there was more uh, danger for the characters. Yeah, there's some real stakes to it with those two characters being gone. Yeah. Um, and the uh, monster, the cre- the character designs were cool. The new characters, mm-hmm. they're they're fun. Um, lots of humor, but I mean that's what all these movies are now, right? It's like they always have some good laughs in there, some good uh, some good bits. But yeah, I thought I thought it was really fun. I think I'm actually going to see it tomorrow again because one of my friends couldn't see it today and wanted to oh, nice. uh, wanted to go. So. So yeah, I was considering seeing it again just cuz the Look Theater chain that is uh there's one near me in Monrovia and I've never really heard of it, but they're dine-in movie theaters. Uh-huh. They have uh Dragon Ball specific menus. That uh-huh. seemed pretty exciting. <laughs> so let me list off a couple of, of these before I get into my thoughts of it. There's Super Saiyan Soda, Piccolo Pepperoni Pizza, <laughs> Goku Garlic Bread, Dragon Drink, and Fried Oreo Balls, which they really, like, dropped the ball on that <laughs> name. They, like, they just, like, that's not part of the menu. And so there's also an image of a like Dragon Ball esque character in the bottom of it as well, and it's not a character who's in the movie at all, <laughs> and I don't think it's a character that even exists in the world of Dragon Ball. I could looks, be like, isn't it? I think it's like a it's a picture of Go- Gohan's face on like another anime character's body. I'm not even sure if it's Go Gohan. Either. You know what? It looks like somebody from like. Dragon Quest or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, like it's so weird. And then so that's weird to me because it makes <laughs> it seem like he's the superhero in Dragon Ball Super superhero. But then none of the food has any attempt at theme other than the name. The pepperoni pizza is just a pepperoni pizza. They didn't even put green food coloring on it or anything. The garlic bread, just garlic bread. There's no like gold super saiyan dust on it it's i don't know 
you can't do that. You can't just be like in and out and be like, hey, Dragon Ball's out. We have the Dragon Burger. And then it's like, that's just still the burger. It's like, yeah, but next month it's going to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Burger because that movie's coming out. It's like, no. Here's $5 and I'll take one. But no. But anyways, that was very, I I will, I might see it again just to have a piccolo pepperoni pizza while I watch it. Um, so I'll give some context to watching this too, which I think is important for the review. I had asked my fiance, Andy, to see it with me. Uh I think I was just like, I had a, I, she doesn't know, she doesn't like animated (laughs) movies at all whatsoever. And she certainly doesn't know anything about Dragon Ball other than knowing that I like it. Like, never watched any of it before. But I think I had a few drinks and was like, oh, come, you know, when I see it, come see it with me. I'll buy you dibs. And that was actually enough to sell her. She was like, oh, what's, <laughs> what, are, what are dibs? I was like, oh, they're like popcorn ice cream or ice oh, cream Oh, she's popcorn. never had dibs before? Never had dibs. So I was like, yeah, it's like if um, they made the popcorn version of an ice cream where you could eat it like popcorn she was like okay yeah i'll I'll watch the movie then and that was enough and then so i went i went into it and i was like i'll give you a little bit of backstory and i just told her roughly like how goku got to earth and is a saiyan then the raditz saga just briefly the raditz saga then the vegeta saga and then was like (laughs) And then the rest of it is just they they fight and are obsessed with getting stronger. It's just what happens. And I think for this movie, there was a the Red Ribbon Army and they made androids to come kill them. And that's all you might need to know. And I'm telling you this because these movies generally don't give the backstory or anything like that. There's going to be no recap. And lo and behold, there's a complete recap at the <laughs> beginning of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, it looks great too. So, yeah, was, is that all reanimated stuff, Olympia, for the movie? Yeah, or was that it was like reused footage. It was soloed by one animator just for that movie. Oh, wow. It was the only two D section of the the movie. Let me solo her. <laughs> um, yeah, so I saw it with her, so I was like excited and nervous. And also, second of all, so there wasn't that many people in the theater. I bought my tickets online, and there was no one sitting next to us uh-huh. in our seats in the aisle. Uh-huh. We get there, and then there's two guys sitting right next to us, where they would have had to have known when they chose their seats in this empty, very empty theater that they would be right next to us. God it was horrible. It. But they had sat there first before we got there. So it made us look like the weirdos who came to sit right next to them. You think that they got other seats and then just sat there randomly? Because they're like, we could sit wherever. It, it could have been. But it, it, once the movie started. That's happened, moved. though, lately. All, I was like, I forgot what other movie I saw that was like that where it was empty. And someone sat right, right next to me. And I was like, you motherfucker. There's yeah, plenty of sucks, other seats dude. here. Like, fuck off. If it was um, packed, I'd understand, but get the fuck out of here. There's only yeah, like it's empty. a quarter full. Really. What were these people like? What did they look Two, like? What were they wearing? Probably like uh, early 30s, 
not particularly stylish. I was wearing the uh, Dragon Ball button-up that I'm wearing right now as well, uh, which is not particularly flattering or <laughs> stylish, so I can't really knock them. Um, but yeah, just two like normal mid-30s millennial guys. Dude, you got the Dragon Ball Club shirt? Let me see. This is... You get a fit check? Yeah, can we get... Oh, that's sick. Damn, I've I haven't had... seen one of those in a minute. I've had this shirt for 25 years or some shit, or like 20 years. Hell yeah. uh, rarely wear it. It still fits. It's probably worth a lot of money. Yeah, yeah I was about to say, if I bet I, if I try anymore. to find that shit on Poshmark, somebody's going to be fucking selling it for like $500. <laughs> I'll look into that. I don't love it that much. Um, <laughs> it is cool, though. But my thoughts about the actual movie... I really dug this one because it felt so weird and different, especially because it focuses on some of these other characters and also just the the flip that it does with the Red Ribbon Army and kind of the, we'll get into spoilers with it, but like kind of a perspective flip that's humorous, uh, at least for like, especially in the first chunk of the movie. And I will say my fiance really enjoyed it too and wow. she was laughing at, she was laughing at the jokes in spoilers i'll i'll talk a little bit about what she, at the point that she didn't like it did you but, guys watch the dub version or the sub version uh the dubbed for me gotta watch the dubbed uh, for dragon ball just because those are those are legacy voices you know mm-hmm. It's not like a, like I probably wouldn't watch Demon Slayer with a dub or something just because I don't know it, you know. Yeah, a lot of people have a a very deep fondness for the Dragon Ball dub performances, for sure. Yeah, and I think they're pretty awesome. Uh, and the, yeah, it's like the same dudes we've been with for how many years? Um, but yeah, I loved it. Um, thought it was really cool really fun felt like it kind of broke the mold a little bit of how the movies have been but not it also it's very much a dragon ball movie of just fight fight okay lead up to the bigger fight type of thing but i thought um yeah a lot of the stuff with the red ribbon army and uh professor hato was awesome so i really dug this one it made me feel like this one is more is most specifically a superhero movie. You could argue that all Dragon Ball movies and shows are superhero content. But this one, like, no doubt, in title and in characters and theme. And I feel like it's the best superhero movie I've seen in years. But wow. I also wonder if we got as many of these as we do Marvel movies, how quickly it would kind of turn and you'd be like all right this is i'm over this so i think there's something very nice to how like consistently but far apart we've been getting dragon ball movies the past few years that's really i i hope they keep this pace but don't increase the pace much because then i think we will get marvelized by these but i'm like this is an awesome fucking superhero movie Let's get into some spoilers of it. That way we can talk freely about it. I loved how it started with uh, this perspective that the Dragon Ball characters are evil. 
Oh, that was yeah. really fun. And we sit with that for quite a while in the movie before we even get to the heroes. So I thought that was just really fun. Yeah, that uh, that beginning uh, exposition where they introduce uh, Dr. Hito and it's a whole car ride um, where they characterize the, the Capsule Court people as a... As bad guys that are out yeah. to enslave humanity, classic globalist yeah. Uh, agenda. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny, and and Professor Hito is an awesome character. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed uh, that character because um, it's interesting to have this new red ribbon character that isn't just like a. An, an outwardly evil character um, and rather sort of just selfish and misguided like we all have been at some point we've all but... made our skin rock hard <laughs> through chemical injections <laughs> yeah we've all built uh, apocalyptic weapons <laughs> uh, cell specifically like did you feel this cell was scarier than cell the original cell? Uh no, but I do feel like he was plenty scary. Like I I feel like like you were saying like the stakes felt pretty high in this movie and that was definitely I I feel like it was presented pretty well in the third act, especially since cell wasn't just cell he was like this giant destructive kaiju monster that was like unthinking and there just to destroy. Like yeah, I how like he the had, kaiju aspect. Like the Shin Godzilla thing where his purple beams like shoot out. I don't know if you guys have seen Shin Godzilla, but Godzilla does that in, in the second act of that movie where he's, he shoots like these purple lasers that just like fucking destroy everything. And I, I think when they decided to do that with Cell, it was meant to be a deliberate reference. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, I mean... I agree, Chris. Like, what I really liked about this movie is that it wasn't about Goku and Vegeta, and uh, it was it was originally supposed to be a Piccolo only movie with with Gohan featured way less. But then um, his oh, collaborators yeah. said, "Oh, we should put more Gohan in there. We haven't really done anything with him. It really add to this movie and uh, and makes I, so much sense with the history. Yeah, that it would be Piccolo and Gohan." It gave it much better emotional impact, I think, rather than if it was just Piccolo. Um, but it, the, I guess the whole pitch of having a Piccolo movie was like Toriyama's conception. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Wow. Because apparently cool. Piccolo is Toriyama's favorite character. Uh, and he, he wanted the coolest. to. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. Yeah, he rules. Yeah. And the fact yeah, that they that give him cool. finally like another power level transformation is really yeah. cool. Orange pickle. <laughs> yeah, he just says that. <laughs> did you wait? Did you see it dubbed, Olympia? I, think I did to see, see a it sub, dubbed. You have to see it like later than 10 p.m. or something, right? Yeah. Uh. Well, we were we were trying to catch a 2:30 uh, sub showing at Alamo, but we had to miss it. Um, so we ended up catching a dub showing and I didn't really have any problems with it. Um, I, I'm someone who do, does prefer subs cause I feel like a lot of the Japanese voice actors have really great performances as well. 
Um, but I, I enjoyed the dub. I thought it was fine. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting, though, Joe, when you introduce a new person to the sort of, like, whole anime world. Like, it could be a completely different experience depending on, like, if you take them to a dubbed or a sub showing. Um, mm, yeah. And I, I I think it's it's heartening that she enjoyed it as a dub showing. Because, like, if, you know... It it does add to the extra level of like cartooniness when you watch a dub, um, I think compared to uh, like a subtitled Japanese track. Yeah, and it doesn't feel as distant if you're not somebody who watches anime, you know, right. animated films, let alone anime. So yeah, I think a lot of people they the misconception anime if they've never watched it is like in Japanese, like feeling incoherent and fast fast talking lots of words you know so yeah to have some familiarity with it and i will say so she liked it but by the cell battle she was kind of done <laughs> once cell shows up and i kind of feel that too i i enjoyed all that but it was it it is that format of like oh here's a crazy big battle and then there's going to be another even bigger battle and you're like this is exhausting this has been just fighting for 40 minutes uh, even though it's awesome so i don't blame her for that i i could totally see that especially if like maybe why you why you're even enjoying this thing you're seeing for the first time isn't because of the fighting you're enjoying the characters and stuff it does sort of lose its momentum there um, and you know what's funny is that apparently when Toriyama writes these scripts, he puts a lot of detail into like the exposition, the character interactions, motivations, and all that. And then he writes for the the fights. He just writes, and then they fight. And then it's basically up to the director and the animators to come up with like the fight choreography and those secret sequences. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's a great way to do it. And these, <laughs> this movie is really well written. As far as like just tying so many things together and get, giving characters their due and their moments, like Krillin even. His his little like mini arc that he has, he comes in late in the movie and still has like a slight mini arc where he's disrespected and then gains respect by the end. Yeah, I, I think that's a great observation is that there's like characters have like their own little, their own personal motivation arc that they go through like no matter how you know major or minor it is um or what their role in the movie is how how big it is um yeah because a lot of people show up at the end except <laughs> yamcha where was yamcha that, yeah. honestly i thought uh i was hoping that they would make a joke about yamcha just be like <laughs> I mean, because, like, Tian and Chaozu aren't there either, but, like, they're like, oh, you didn't call Yamcha? And they're like, why would I call Yamcha? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't, actually. Um, Deliberately. I think I should. I don't think that'd be fair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever watch Dragon Ball Super? Some. Not really a lot of it, though. There's, um, There is a joke about that where... Um, a bunch of characters get called up to do the the giant like cross universal tournament basically and there's a little bit where Yamcha is like constantly waiting by the phone hoping that somebody will call him to be part of the team that goes to the tournament uh, or do uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well like and didn't uh, like 
Tien fight Beerus with like Piccolo and someone else. Yeah, it's like, like <laughs> insane. Like, dude, Tien, go home. Piccolo, like, I can't go. beat Everybody him, but go. I can blind his fucking ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forget who else is with them uh, when they they fight him, but yeah, it's like at least you get, you have some balls, guys. Dragon balls. Oh, <laughs> ten points. What we did go you by guys, points here. <laughs> what did you guys think of the um, the visual style and like the the three D? Uh, yeah, Chris, what did you think of that? I th- I thought it. At first, I was like, it was kind of jarring, but then I got used to it, and I was totally fine with it, I think. Yeah, I felt the same, where at first I was a little wincy at it, but then got uh, got used to it, and, and thought it was all really done well. I feel like sometimes when I see that art style done poorly, like 3D, when it feels really 3D animated, it's because everything feels weightless. And this didn't have that problem. Yeah, I I really feel like some of the directing, um, in terms of like the animation and and storyboarding and choreography was uh, really good. Um, I'm not super sold on the 3D though. Uh, I felt like it was pretty lacking in in some of the the sequences on Beerus's planet. Um, for some reason, it seemed like there was a, a little bit of a quality drop there. Uh, I did like, I however did like the background paintings um, and the art direction in those, uh, like the way the red ribbon base was designed, like this giant tower that was like reinforced with steel on the back, and um, the design for Piccolo's house, which was brand new for this movie. They, they've never shown that before. Oh, I thought that was yeah. great. Yeah. It's so Namekian. <laughs> yeah, and it has like this little opalescent sort of like sheen to it. They did some interesting stuff with the color mixing, um, and you know there was some nice painted backgrounds during the the first sequence with uh, Pan and Piccolo. Um, but this the three D. I don't know. The, I I'm not a hundred percent on the three D, especially since uh, the the last movie was such an excellent showcase of like 2d animation styles um yeah i i did see the Broly. you're referring to broly yeah 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 i saw it in theaters and i was just re-watching it um but i only got uh about a third of the way through just because of time and then i want to finish watching it again but yeah that's a really awesome and great looking movie and feels feels and is 2d animated and just like there's something to that the feeling that like you don't have to be jarred at the start of it either like i think everybody can kind of even if they can't explain what's what it is someone would watch that and be like oh the animation was kind of weird right or different and i think that's what a general like stink that that 3d animated anime look has that anybody can kind of point it out and be slightly unsettled by it um, but yeah broly rules and brings us uh that great character that i am kind of with beerus because i'm all about uh what's your name uh the green green girl oh yeah chila Ch- yeah. chila yeah yeah she's yeah. cool 
The the characters that that movie introduces are all great. Even like the new version of Brawly that they came up with, I think really works. Yeah, it was cool to see them brought into this this movie and like have that be kind of a continuation. But that's kind of just like the pre and post credit scene. Oh uh, yeah, storyline. So it's it's cool that it doesn't like take up too much of the the movie, and also acts as us as a way to cheaply get Vegeta and Goku out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate that uh, that post credit stinger where like Goku and Vegeta are tired of fighting each other, and the audience is tired of watching them as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's an awesome scene just for Vegeta's win and for just the the meta humor of that. Yeah. I got to be like the the Twitter boyfriend where you know when you'll see a tweet of like I was in the movies watching a Marvel movie and just the boyfriend whispered to his girlfriend like that's whoever it that was me when the movie ended. Then I'm like we got to stay for the post credit scene. There's no way we're not going back to Goku and Vegeta's fight. <laughs> she's like and then just andy okay <laughs> oh that's so fucking funny yeah i did Man. so th- yeah i saw it with my cousins um hulk and yeah, my cousin <laughs> my hulk cousins um but yeah no i saw it with my four cousins i guess now since i'm uh, married into this uh, family but uh, wow! They're all, they're all cousins. So one of them, she's never seen like she's never really watched Dragon Ball at all, in any way. So she had no idea what was going, what she was getting into. But she did like it a lot and was laughing the whole time, and thought all of the stuff was super cute with like um, with uh, Pan and all that too. So she was like totally enjoying it and loving it. And then, yeah, my, my other cousin who had seen it a lot, she just really wanted to see Vegeta, so she was she was a little bit let down, but uh, she still oh, loved it. Like... She, she did love it a lot, and I think the, the main thing is that all four of them hadn't seen the other movies that have come out, and now basically all of them are like, oh, man, we need to watch all of them now. So Yeah, and they're sick, that's a, so yeah. Great, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. my one cousin that hadn't seen stuff, she was like, "So what's the deal with like what happens when they turn with the blonde hair? That's a different character. Is that the same character? Like she didn't even realize all that <laughs> stuff." Well, and it's I noticed how confusing it really is as an outsider because Andy it was also like, "Okay, so I, I get that they their hair turns yellow and they're the stronger version of themselves, but then they go back. They get so strong that they go back." Yeah, to their yeah, normal go, hair with, just and i had on. to be like okay so there are these different oh yeah like and, uh, when gohan when gohan goes back to uh his like normal form that's more powerful olympia what is the name of that form um ultimate gohan i think is that what it's called okay yeah there wasn't really a real name for it it's sort of an, a name that sort of circulated in merchandise he doesn't really uh, ever say it in the show or anything yeah. Um, are you talking about the one where he's just like not super saiyan and he's got like the yeah the whitish he uses sort of the, aura? Like, um, Kai's powers that he unlocks in him, right? Yeah, yeah. Where his hair is, just, he Supreme just looks Kai. like Gohan. Yeah, maybe his hair with, slightly with like longer, a but... with like a white energy around him. 
When he calls Boo the R word. Which R word? In subs and in an old uh, version of the manga, he calls a uh, Boo. Uh, he says he's. I don't know if I could say it on this podcast, but he he uses a pejorative um, used directed towards certain people. Wrong. Um, the the and, one uh, that is used to for people to say that they're slow. Yeah, exactly. Slow. Originally, yeah. that's what the word was used for. Yeah. Yeah, because like the word in Japanese is basically meant to be like stupid or ignorant person, but it's meant to wow. be also extremely rude. So that's the word that the English translators decide to go with. Okay. And, uh, Cancel them. What are their names? <laughs> I want to die. <laughs> oh man, there's a whole drama associated with that that I won't even get into. Well, um, people, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in Dragon Ball that's been scrubbed <laughs> from the record. Uh, yeah. That people don't know about. Yeah, there's about twenty controversies when it comes to Dragon Ball. So <laughs> just pick one. I but actually, yeah. I, I was I was watching a YouTube video of about Lord Beerus just. For whatever reason, I think just in preparation for this podcast was like, oh, I'll watch some of this stuff. And it was talking about his most savage moments. <laughs> and then it gets to, I guess, when he slapped Bulma. And uh, I've never seen that. But it was really funny how much the podcast or the, the YouTuber was trying to stress. I'm not saying that this was a cool thing he did or that it was good. <laughs> I'm using savage in a very specific literal term of something that in action from such aggression and so, so, so losing control of himself. And it goes on for about a minute and a half of him saying, so I want to be clear again. Oh I don't think it's good. It's like, dude, it's okay. We get it. Do you know which Dragon Ball YouTuber that was? Because I know some of them. It's probably in, uh, you know, it was, uh, I think it was from CBR, the CBR oh, okay. uh, YouTube channel. Interesting. They have more to lose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, very, very weird. But uh, yeah, a lot of good Super Saiyan. This, it is funny how like after su- it got to Super Saiyan level three and then they're like, we can't just keep making it look more fucked up. Yeah. We have to kind of like find a way to go back to the designs that people like so then they start to be like uh normal but purple hair uh, he looks normal but yellow or white hair and it's like okay i really feel like they threw that sort of reserved design philosophy that they've had for these transformations they sort of threw that out the window with gohan and piccolo for this fucking movie though because Pic- like Piccolo looks insane <laughs> as Orange Piccolo. Like yeah. I feel like it's a very Super Saiyan three esque design yeah, for him. Yeah. And then like Gohan's hair is like insane. Huge. Yeah. It's like bigger than his body when he like turns yeah. to the side. It's like fucking going <laughs> way behind him. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I I, In I the feel slowest like they- transformation ever too. <laughs> Yeah, I've, those designs, I feel like they really crank them up to the max. Um, but I agree with, like, all the the ones that came before this. Um, like, Super Saiyan God is just Goku with fucking red hair and red eyes. Like, blue is just, like, Super Saiyan but blue. And uh, they've, they've come out with some other ones in the Super manga um, as well that are pretty reserved, too. 
Um, whoa. Sorry, some uh, thunder just went off outside. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, for real. Uh, what did you guys think of um, Cell's design in general or like just like the way he was portrayed in the movie? Or the fact that they brought him back really... in general. Yeah, I thought that was crazy and a surprise to me. I'm surprised that like so much of this hasn't been spoiled in one way or another on like Twitter for me or something. Just because of like a picture could easily show like oh, Ultra Instinct Gohan mm-hmm. or uh, or Cell back in the in the movie. Yeah, um, but yeah, I thought Cell was cool. So it's cool how he's just like a yeah, like you said, a kaiju version of him, just a hulking, gigantic Cell Max, right? That's what they call him. Yeah, Cell Max. That's right. The, the only complaint. Prepped. It's just that, like, I feel if he was up against original Cell, original Cell would totally destroy Cell Max. Yeah. You know, like, that's the feeling I get. So it made it a little less scary and impactful because it just, like, Cell, you need to destroy every single Cell in him. Like, this one, you just need to bop him on the top of the head. Yeah. So it is just, like, that's what's scary to me about Cell. It's like, oh, you're not just going to beat him up. You need to destroy, you need to vaporize him completely or else he'll always come back. So yeah, it was kind of missing that for me, but I did enjoy the like kaiju aspect. I think that's what made it work mm-hmm. for me. How did you like um, Magenta to having a robot body at the end too? <laughs> <laughs> it was so... so... Yeah. He's fun. Yeah, I enjoyed Magenta. Very good, like, Dragon Ball, um, like, Kid Goku era style villain that they they did a good job sort of bringing back. Oh, and um, that, that just reminds me of the Red Ribbon Army and just Piccolo being able to be, like, a tactical team Piccolo for most of the movie was so sick like seeing him have a gun (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. that costume was cool the costume design was cool for that yeah it just makes me think like oh i want to play uh dragon ball fighters and get have that costume for piccolo (laughs) like that would be fucking awesome yeah that was cool and i was actually surprised that it was he was in that costume for like a big part of the movie and not yeah so long he chills in it (laughs) yeah the the skydiving part where he jumps off the tower um oh yeah or and then the same thing with uh there was another character that like jumped off the back of a ship i think it was like krillin when you mentioned that this is like a superhero movie i was like this is kind of like mcu (laughs) mcu (laughs) these shots of them like jumping off like a back of like like basically taking these skydiving poses and just like flying away yeah, because um, yeah, I think it was Krillin who jumped off and was floating through there, g- joining the fight. Because by that point, he was like, "No, fuck that! I'm gonna save my wife." Yeah. Yeah, people don't give him enough respect, but he earned it. That's for <laughs> damn sure. I am really heartened that you guys enjoyed the movie, though. I think maybe I just have exposed myself way too much to Dragon Ball. Um. That my own sensibility sort of might have taken away from my enjoyment. Um, 
But it, it is it feels like a real gut check when I hear you two saying that you enjoy it. Um because I really do feel like Dragon Ball it, it, there is something like naturally compelling about it that other anime doesn't really possess. It's just there it just feels like such an easy and natural buy-in into what's going on um with each new entry mm-hmm. and the the humor and like the development that keeps on being added to the characters um is honestly a lot of fun um no matter how you feel about like the quality of super or any of the the recent movies it's it's it still makes for a very compelling watch um yeah i think the relationships are so strong with the characters that even someone who's never watched it before doesn't know them those relationships are portrayed naturally just so strong that you get it you know goku's relationship with uh, gohan and the daughter through this you know how they all think of krillin like it's all so clear and feels fun it doesn't need set up and it's also been like built for so many years that the og fans they really love to see it too so yeah it's just like it's it has the beauty of being like oh we've been with these characters for 40 years <laughs> like this yeah. is this is some strong shit and it's like they haven't been rebooted or anything it's like a lineage of family this is what the skywalker family should have been somehow couldn't <laughs> be <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of people have their criticisms about the newer Dragon Ball material or whether it should be continued in general. Um, but honestly, I feel like it's it's more successful than any other extended like legacy, you know, IP that we're yeah. we're living with right now. Um, yeah, it's and absurd it, that it's still going on, but it's also warranted. I mean, it's it would go on. Uh, whether it has the involvement of the original creator or not because it has because it prints money basically yeah um and we're lucky enough that toriyama is basically mostly in charge of whatever new developments are happening um and it, it still carries like his sense of humor and his knack for uh you know narrative um throughout these new movies um and maybe a new anime, but I don't think that's likely. Uh, part of the reason why this movie was in 3D is because there's actually a shortage of 2D animators right now. Um, and yeah, harder Toei and harder to make them. this stuff. Yeah, there's just a lot of anime being produced these days. Um, and there's just not enough animators to keep up with it. Uh, so they decided to go 3D for this one so they can, they can keep their usual... 2D workforce working on stuff like One Piece and they stuff like decided that. to film the entire game uh, movie in Dragon Ball Fighter Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh man, I mean, Dragon Ball Fighters does look pretty good. I will say, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. How well, we should like wrap- uh, oh, go ahead. real quick. How did you guys like Bulma uh, getting cosmetic surgery with the Dragon Balls? <laughs> Uh, I think Bulma needs to have a talk with She-Hulk attorney at law to learn a few things about feminism. Uh, I thought it was hilarious and love her getting a bigger butt. I wish they would have done more butt shots. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did really have that gratuitous butt shot of her looking for that 
Weiss uh, communicator thing. Yeah, they they had a they had a couple, and they could have had more. Is what I would have wanted. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people worked up about it, but that's what it, I would do if I had like endless Dragon Ball wishes. Like, okay, I wish wish for world peace or a million dollars already. Let's just like you know, get rid of these fucking uh, wrinkles or whatever. Like, yeah, you think I'm not getting the Dragon Balls and saying, hey, like, give me a body like Jason Statham. Yeah. <laughs> like, that. that is absolutely what I'm going to do. Why would I fault her? Yeah, it's totally relatable. Give me a BBL. Uh, Eternal she, Dragon. She should just get a, yeah, she should get a <laughs> Saiyan, make herself a Saiyan, too. Oh man, that'd be crazy. That's not the thing is though that the, it's just like it ties in perfectly with like her typical character motivations. It's like right. of course Bulma would wish for that. Like yeah, yeah. that yeah. works. She's always been like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she well, she should uh, use them to wish for Vegeta to be a good father. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot grant that wish. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we should wrap it up here. It's getting long in the tooth on the episode, but I think that just goes to show how many awesome things are in this movie. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, Olympia, where can people find you on the net or otherwise? Um, I am on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Olympia408. Uh, just how it sounds, basically. Um... There's a link to my art station there if you ever want to hire me for concept design or illustration. Uh, other than that, that's about it. Awesome. And Chris, what's coming yeah. up next week and where can people find you? Yeah, I'm Rebirth Project on Twitter. Uh, next week, we got uh, Chad and JT Go Deep on Netflix coming out. What the fuck is that again? That, that show with those... <laughs> You know those two guys that go to the uh, those public uh, hearings to talk about how like oh, they want yeah, a statue yeah. of Paul Walker made and stuff like oh, that? Oh, okay. shit. They have a Netflix show coming out where they're basically playing those characters and like interviewing people and stuff. Good for uh, them. Yeah. So it looks really funny. Um, also, so 3,000 Years of Longing is coming out next Friday. Oh, gotta watch that. <gasps> oh, if, yeah. yeah. Everybody go buy a ticket to that. That is the movie that deserves our patronage. Yeah. And then also the invitation comes out, that movie that's about the girl who gets invited to England to meet her relatives and they're like vampires. Oh, yeah. That one does not look interesting to me. <laughs> it's like Ready or Not with Vampires. But boring. Yeah. Um, also, the Samaritan Sylvester Stallone movie coming out. On, uh, <laughs> yeah. Amazon. Superhero movie. Yeah. And uh, Me Time with Kevin Hart and Mark Wahlberg on Netflix. Okay. Well, not going to watch that. But uh, <laughs> let's. 3,000 years of longing. I'm calling it. That's what we should review. That's what we should Definitely. talk about. I can't wait for that one. Yeah. Yeah going to be huge it might change cinema <laughs> quote me on that all right so that's it for this week's episode olympia thank you so much for joining us and talking dragon ball super thank yeah, you so thanks. much for having me i'm always down to talk dragon ball all right very good when the next movie comes out in a year we'll have you back on or two years <laughs> or three whenever those one piece 
uh, artists stop working on One Piece. <laughs> All right, bye everybody. Thanks, yeah. guys. No problem. I'm gonna stop recording. Stop.